If you're a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Nika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. This is episode 136, Come Set a Spell, an episode with Marilyn Jansen. Marilyn and I met when my first book was traditionally published, and she was operating in the role of an editorial director at the publishing house. Years later, we ran into one another again, but this time she was not only still working in publishing, but she had her first opportunity to be an author. We talk about that in this interview, and we announce the beautiful publication of her second book, Come Sit a Spell. I'm looking at my copy right now. It's a beautiful collection of home recipes and the stories behind them. I think you'll enjoy the insider scoop of a publisher and author in this interview. Well, welcome to the Keep Writing Podcast, Marilyn. I'm so delighted that you're here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Okay. So I'm so excited for my listeners to to hear about your unique journey to publication. Keep in mind that on the other end of this are people who have dreamed about writing a book for a long time. Maybe some of them have started writing or maybe some have gotten through this, the initial stage of publishing, either traditional or self-publishing. So they're going to be fascinated with anything <laughs> you have to share. I'll start with the beginning. So how did you initially became become connected with the world of books? Well, um, I've always been a reader. So that was, you know, I've always been a reader. And then in college, my undergraduate degree was in communications, but then I started my graduate program as a creative writer. That's what I wanted to do. But, and I took all the classes and I was preparing my thesis, which was a creative thesis. And my husband got a job across several states. We had three small children. And so that never actually never got that degree. You finished. I never finished it. I have an almost master's in creative writing. So when we moved and and I needed a job, there was there was a job opening with a company that made Christian gift products. A lot of that was little mini books and perpetual calendars and you know things like that and it was just it was a good introduction into that side of it and then I just kind of grew from there and started doing a lot more editing with bigger books and developing products and, and that sort of thing, which led to, you know, a different job that led to a different job that got bought out by another company. And I ended up being the editorial director for Ellie Claire, which is where I met you for Worthy Publishing. And because Worthy bought Ellie after... Okay. Guidepost bought Ellie, then Worthy bought Ellie, then Hachette bought Ellie. And I stayed with it through all of those. Wow. And so got to do, you know, we started doing devotionals and then, you know, Christian living kind of nonfiction and 
it was fun to do all of that and to get to help people bring their their books to fruition. One of the things that Hachette that I really liked was that we would do people, it would be their first book. And, you know, they, we had a lot of people, this is their first book, this is their entry into it. When we were first at Worthy and at the beginning of Hachette, and they changed their program, and that's why I'm no longer there, but they changed their program and, and they stopped they stopped doing that as a lot of unfortunately, a lot of companies have, have followed suit. So mm-hmm. a lot of them are doing the same thing. And it's made it harder and harder for new writers to get in, into the system and to be accepted and to get their books accepted. And that was, that was really exciting for me was to help people develop that first book and to get that first taste of publishing and to kind of walk them through the process and tell them, you know, this is what you can expect next. And, you know, so I don't really get to do that anymore and I miss it, but mm-hmm. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. So there's several, several things are bubbling up in my mind for directions that I want to go. I have several questions right here on this topic before we even move forward. So first of all, I know that a lot of people are not as familiar with Hachette, but it's one of the big five publishing companies in the United States. So that suddenly puts you in a, I mean, you were moving along in the in the publishing world from a different direction than you originally planned, like wanting right. to be the writer to being the person who was accepting writers or opening doors for writers. I'm curious about your emotions during that time. Was there any part of you that wished it it was you on the other side of the page? Yeah, there was. I did a lot of writing for us. If we did things that needed, you know, cute little sayings or needed introductions to be written, back cover copy, catalog copy. I was writing, but I wasn't writing anything in my own name. That's one of the things when you're in publishing as an editor, you could put together a whole book and write big sections of that book, but it's not going to say it anywhere on that book that you had anything to do with it. Right. Um, and that's just how the publishing industry goes because you're, it's, you're doing it during your work hours. It belongs to them and their name is on it, not, you know, not yours. And so I, I didn't mind that, but at the same time, there's that little niggle in the back of your mind yeah. going, I wanted to have my own book someday, but publishing is a demanding job. You know, I enjoy it very much, but it is demanding. And there's not a lot of extra time after that to go home and write a book. And I had kids and I had a husband and I was always involved in church. And so there just never seemed to be time to sit down and really work through that and get the books written that I wanted to write. So, yeah, I wanted to do it. But at the same time, seeing other people be successful was was pretty satisfying as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So you weren't doing anything in the way of writing at home creatively. I, I did. I did some blogs of, you know, I've had three or four different blogs have been up. And so, you know, I get and sometimes when I had extra time, I'd sit down and write some blog posts and take some pictures and do that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that and plus I'm a crafty person. So mm-hmm. it's like if I had that need to be creative and I knew that I couldn't write a book, I would paint something or make you know, velvet pumpkins and, yeah. and, you know, something. 
So I uh, was a big journaler and scrapbooker. And so did, did all of those things and would write passages of things that would go in there. So I think that satisfied my creativity to a certain point. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually get to, to write the book until later. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So, and I also wanted to ask to help kind of differentiate for the readers. So, I mean, for the listeners. So you were in kind of a gift book department. Correct. So one thing that I've found that new writers may not know is that there's kind of like a quota for each department. Maybe they think, well, I can just, my book can be picked up by a publisher at any time. But I just say to them, well, you never know what they already have slated in each department. And just because your book comes along, it could be a wonderful book, but it may not be picked up because they've already met a particular kind of quota for a particular type of book. Can you tell them a little bit about that? I know they're going to be interested. Before we talk about your writing, I would just love for you to kind of debunk any myths that you see (laughs) writers coming with. Well, we do. We have a budget that is a lot of times years in advance. I mean, right now we're, we're just about done filling up 2024 with the books that we're working on. And this is October. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is another thing that I know writers just are absolutely stunned by is how far in advance publishers plan and that, you know, we dream and hope that this can come out next year. And I always say, no, it's at least two years from the time yeah. you get a contract until it's on a shelf. And you're, yeah. you're confirming yes. that. Yes, G- generally, generally you contract it at the least Unless you're a really well-known person, 18 months to 24 months, you have to, in that time period, you would have a contract and then your manuscript would be due 16 to 18 months before it's going to be out in the world. And then you, you have several renditions to go through, you know, you hand it in and you get a sub edit from, and that's usually they're different editors that you're going to work with. So your sub editor will probably be the person who acquired the book. The one that you and your agent talk to, that will be a sub editor and she'll go through and make sure that it is the book that you promised, that you did deliver what we ask you to deliver, that it flows and that it makes sense. And, and, you know, that sort of thing. And then you get a copy editor that goes back to you and you check it. Then you get a copy editor is a different editor and she will look through it and clean it up a lot. And then it goes through design. You have someone who designs it and then typesets it and all of that mm-hmm. that gets proofed at each stage. So there's a lot of hands on the book and it takes a long time to get all of that done. And then in the gift book world, it's four color. And most of what I'm working with mm-hmm. now, now I work for HarperCollins and I'm still in four color, which I love. And so that means four so colors. To clarify, yeah. Uh, four color are. is... Yeah. Gift books, devotional journals, cookbooks, lifestyle mm-hmm. books, Magnolia would be mm-hmm. is one of the ones that we've done. So those sorts of things are four color books. Anything that has four color in them generally is handled by a whole different group of people than the ones who do fiction, that do Bibles, that do nonfiction like memoirs and things that are have more black and white pages in them or maybe one color or two color, they're usually handled by a whole different division. 
So I was working, I've always worked in the four color division, which some people think is a lesser division because it, you know, it's not, it's never the big fiction books that make you tons of money or anything like that. But we do have some very large releases as well. I mean, we have all the Sarah Young, all the Jesus Calling, you know. Oh my goodness. So that, yeah. So that counts as a four color book. Correct. Because it's certainly in four color. Yeah. A lot of hers are two color, not four color, but they're, they're still in, in our category. Yeah. So that makes, that makes a big difference. And we have to send it for the most part, we can't get that printed in the United States and that's Uh, cost is part of it. But the other part of it is there's not equipment in the United States. We would be happy to print it here. We would prefer to print it here, but back in the, I don't know, 60s, 70s, they started taking the printing overseas. And so when those printing presses broke down, they just didn't replace them in the United States. They didn't buy really? new Right. So they didn't have, we just don't have the ability to print in the United States because we don't have the equipment. I if did we, not know that. So if we print four color, we have the ability to print one color to print black and white here in the United States. We have, we have plenty of people who can do that, but if we want color, they don't have the presses for that. There's not very many. So we have to send them to another country. And when you have to send them to another country, then you have a three or four month wait Mm. from the time they're printed to the time they get delivered to you because they have to come by boat or they have to come by big truck. If we do it in Mexico or Canada, if we do it in India or China or Vietnam, then you have to wait three months from the time it's printed to the time you receive it. Wow. Totally. So that makes that makes our timeline extra long. Right. For the four color books. Okay. So and it crosses my mind now, children's books would not be in the category of, I mean, it is, they, would, yeah. they are four color, but they're not in the gift book category. Correct. Four color and children's are together in a lot of houses. They are. Um, And so they'll share at Harper, the same art directors who do the covers for our four color books, do the covers for children's books, the same people who typeset them. So there there's a lot of shared. Yes, because they're both four color. They both usually get printed at the same places. They both have the same kind of schedule. So generally they're in the same if they're not exactly the same division, they're in the same branch of the company because we're all working on four color. Yeah. So interesting. So while you still have your publishing hat before we go to your author hat, what advice do you have for anyone who, I know that's a broad question, So, but that allows you to say any of the things that you've been wanting to say, you know, <laughs> because, oh, there, I know there's so many people with so many ideas for gifts books and uh, devotionals and things like that. And what kind of things do you wish they knew? Oh, you know, it's hard for new writers. I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna downplay that. It is unfortunately because the way the world is at the moment and so many bookstores have gone away, we have to rely on online, online sales. And online sales means you have to have an online presence. So if you don't have a social media presence, get one. 
I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing I can, the, the biggest advice I could give you, because to be honest with you, we do take some new writers and if they don't have, I mean, 20,000 followers, they don't get picked up. And also it's very, very helpful if those followers are transactional, meaning mm-hmm. that you're selling them something and they're buying it from you. So that can be, that could be a course that could be a booklet that could be, you know, whatever that, but if, if you can come to, to a publisher and say, I don't have a lot of followers, but my followers are buying things from me. Right. Right. And so, so they'll buy a book from me because we have people come with a hundred thousand followers that aren't involved, don't interact with them, don't buy anything from them. And that's, you know, most of the time they're not going to buy that book either if they're not, if they're not involved enough. So it's involvement Mm -hmm. as much as it is numbers. So make sure that you're doing something that they can be involved with, be interactional as Mm -hmm. much as you can be. The second thing is get, get a good, you don't always need an agent. But a lot of like, I'm not an acquisitions editor. I'm an editorial director. I work with the acquisitions editors. I'm in all of their meetings. So I'm in the acquisitions meetings. I'm in the ed board meetings. I know what goes on there. So I see what's coming. They are too busy to talk to individual authors. They're not going to do it. But like you said before, sometimes there's a quota. We need Mother's Day books. We need Christmas books. We need books on the Holy Spirit. You know, we need different kinds of books. We know we need those. So if we have a hole to fill, it's not going to go out to the general public. It's going to, we're going to go to an agent and we're going to say, do you have a book that fits this? Mm. And they're, and they're going to say, as a matter of fact, I do, you know, so if you have an agent that's with a house, you have better chance of getting in some of the bigger publishing companies list. Now there's some small ones that, you know, they, they do work more just with, with an author, but, you know, in, at Hachette and at Harper, that's very, I mean, Mm -hmm. it is, we do have a few that come, that come in from the radar because uh, another author said, I have a friend, this is a really good thing. Can you take a look at it? But generally I would say 99% of everything we look at is from an agent. So find an agent that you feel really good about that is, has the same kind of integrity and moral, you know, that you're on, you're on the same page Yes, because they're not all there. They're not, you know, there are varying degrees of that. So find one that's where you are. And so that you'll feel good that will represent you. And I think those two things, build, build your audience and find a good agent is the, uh, the best advice I could give you if, you really, if you're really serious about getting a book into a, a one of the big five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Because the, the, the process of getting even getting an agent can add months to the whole thing. So, but I think people don't realize that they really... They have to sell themselves from moment one. So you're you're selling yourself and your idea to the agent even before when we're talking about years before there's a book to sell. So we have to be comfortable with the selling and the marketing 
and showing up to have a presence online, but to get the attention of an agent who would be confident to work with you because he or she knows you're going to do your part. That's definitely a myth is that, uh, oh, you know, there's so many new writers that they just pull back, shy away from wanting to market or sell. And they think publishers are going to take care of that for them. And I say, did you know that you have to turn in a marketing plan? Like as part of turning in your manuscript, you're also turning in your marketing plan. Did you know that, sure, there are times when a publisher may help with the PR, but really it's always on your shoulders. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I, you know, I would tell you as a writer, it's sort of, to me, it's the same as a patient. We've just gone through some serious things with my husband. He had an aorta tear in January and he had a stroke in August. And so we have serious, you know, we now, we now know things we never knew we would need to know about brain surgery and heart surgery and all of these things. My husband is, is very, very athletic and, and healthy. And he's an anomaly because they're like, he shouldn't have either one of these issues, Mm. but he does. But as a patient, know what you're dealing with. You you have to go in and you have to be your best advocate. And the same thing for writers. I mean, you know, when Jeff had his stroke, I was able to, you know, tell them immediately he's had an aorta dissection. This is where it's at. This is why you can't go through his this artery for his stroke. You are going to have to go through his arm. And this is why. Because I had done the research and I knew all about my husband's medical history so that when we went in there, we were advocates and we, you know, helped save his life because we knew what we were talking about. When you are a writer, it's the same thing. You are your biggest salesperson. You are your biggest advocate. And you will have, especially traditional publishers, you will have marketing people and PR people who will come beside you. But if you if you're afraid of selling your book, I can tell you right now, it's not going to sell. Unfortunately, you have to be able to sell your book. And that means that you're going to have to talk about your book. You're going to have to do social media posts about your book. You're going to have to go on other people's blogs and other people's podcasts. And you're going to have to do all of those things. So you need to get comfortable with that. And I am such a hillbilly that when I start talking, a lot of times hillbilly comes out. And so I'm real hesitant to be a big speaker because I, you know, they're like, I, I'm a great editor. I'm not a great speaker because my speaking is still regional. And so if I'm not in that region, a lot of people are like, what is she talking about? That's not the right, that's not the proper use of that. And if I was writing it, I would know the difference and I would correct it. Right. So so it's easy for me to do that in writing. Yeah. And and that's what I always say, because I'm a Texan. So there are some times when I'll throw in colloquialisms and just, I mean, I just don't always <laughs> pay attention to the words coming out of my mouth. And I'm fine with that. I've made peace with them. Like there's a way of talking that is totally acceptable that I wouldn't do in writing. 
I differentiate the two. I can correct my grammar in writing. I can do it properly in writing, but I don't hold myself or anyone else to that same standard in talking, really. I don't. I think the flavor of regions is far too precious to sacrifice. I agree. I agree. Textbook English. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And, And that's, you know, another thing is when you're writing with a traditional publisher, I have one girl who came in and was so proud because she is so good at, at grammar and punctuation. And I'm, that's fantastic. You'd be good at grammar and punctuation. I don't need that from you from a, as an editor. I don't need that from you. What I need from you is a good story. I need a good story. I need you to back up that story. I need you to, you know, I need you to tell it well, I need you to, you know, draw me in and then somebody else is going to dot your eyes and put the, yes. the, the, the dots where they're supposed to be. You don't need to worry about that. Right. Um, I mean, I want you to be able to do it well enough that when I read it, I understand what you're saying and I'm pausing in the right places, but you don't have to stress over that. Mm-mm. Just tell me your story. And we're, you know, we could go, we've got people, we've got professional people who do a lot of books that know how to do this. Yes. And and they don't judge you either. That's what I always say to to my students and clients. I'm like, okay, so someone who is a professional deep cleaner who comes into your home and they're not judging you, they're just cleaning. And you can arrange the furniture any way you like, but you need to be responsible for having the furniture and choosing the furniture and just let them clean up. And I'm like, it's an impersonal process, really, for the copy editing and proofreading stage. They're not going to say, oh, she should have known, blah, blah, blah. They're professional deep cleaners. They come in and they, you know. Well, actually, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that the really big authors rarely write their own things. So, you know, you get you know, you get someone that's, I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head, but you get, you get some of those really big personalities, like some, some singer who's, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody knows they don't write their book. They sit down and they, they tell somebody a story or they, they give you a few sentences and then a writer takes that and writes it. So we're, you know, it's not, we're, we're not paying her for how well she knows syntax. No. We're, we're paying her for right. the story that she has to tell. And right. so that's, that's what we're looking for, a well-told story. Right. And, you know, if it's devotional, you know, something that fills a need that people in that your, your community is looking for, just make sure that you're hitting the feels for what it is. If it's taking care of your aging mother, that you, you're giving them the information that they need and that you're giving them the warmth and the, and the letting them feel the presence of Jesus through what, the, you know, through the words that they're saying, and we'll clean up the rest of it. You don't have to worry yeah. about that. Right. Right. Okay. So you and I met in, I mean, originally, I guess 2016 is when my book Hunting Hope came out. And that was my first time to work with a, a traditional publisher. And, you know, that's where I originally came in contact with you, but you had didn't have a book at that time. No. And then we reconnected at a writer's conference where you were coming to let 
writers have a chance to interview with you and pitch and present their work. It was the She Speaks conference and that was 2019. So, yeah. So at that time you did have, was your book, it was, it was in in production then. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a prayer journal um, inspired by prayer and it was a very simple, beautiful yeah, it was beautiful. It was it was well done. But it was a prayer journal that we had actually had contracted with someone and had it on the schedule at Hachette and it fell through. They they came back and said we can't do it. And we didn't we didn't want to You mean it was to... a, a prayer journal and then they couldn't fulfill the contract. Correct. Okay. They they, no, they couldn't. And so then I said, you know what? I've got a lot of notes on on stuff like this that I've been working on just for me. So just let me write it because it wasn't a lot of text. Mm -hmm. So I did a little, I said, this is what I would say. This is what I would include. And I showed it to everyone and they're like, that's great. Let's do it. And so because it was my company doing it, I, uh, you know, so I got, I got my foot in the water there. That was really good. But then in 2020, COVID came and Hachette had decided that they were going to not really continue to do gift books. They were not going to continue to do small devotionals like we had done before. They had shifted away from that. And so when COVID came, that was a good time to let me go because we didn't need an editor. They didn't need an editor for that any longer. So I, my last day was March 13th, 2020 the day that almost everything closed down for COVID. That was, yes, right there. Right. And so then I was like, (laughs) all right, now what do I do? No one's hiring. No one's, you know, nothing's going on. And one of the agents that I worked with a lot, who we also did books for her, she did books. She wrote books for us at Worthy and Cynthia Rupti. She's like, well, if you want to write books we've been talking about, I could agent you. And I'm like, it's a deal. Let's do it. So, so then I just immediately started putting together a proposal for Come Sit a Spell. And it, it never happens like that. Tyndale was looking, looking for the exact book that we had as a proposal. So I lost my job March 13th. And I, by May, I had a contract for a book. Never happens. Never. What a dream. Yeah, no, it never happens that way. I mean, I'm in publishing. I know that it never happens that way. (laughs) So I was just like scratching my head going, seriously, they want, because I don't have a large following. I don't have thousands of, you know, I've, I think 1200 on Facebook and 600 on Instagram. I don't have that. And I didn't, I didn't think, but they were starting a new line of Southern cooking and Southern hospitality. And so they, it was exactly what they were looking for. And so I just, you know, God opened that door and I walked right through the timing was impeccable and I couldn't, you know, it just, it just doesn't generally happen like that. So mm-hmm. don't expect that listeners. Don't <laughs> expect that. It doesn't, it doesn't generally happen like that. And then I had to write the book because I didn't yeah. have it written. So you didn't, you had a proposal written. I had a proposal and most agents will not talk to you 
unless you have a proposal and two to three chapters, generally three chapters written. So they can, they can see where you're going with the book and they can see your level of writing. They can see in that amount, they can see your organization. They can see, you know, how well you tell a story. If it's a devotional like mine was, how well you tie it into to biblical ideals. You know, what Bible verses are you using? Are you using them correctly? You know, you're not just pulling out a couple of words from a Bible verse that it, that's not really what that means. That's not the context. Um, yeah, you're right. I send it to her and she's like, I love it. I have someone who wants something exactly like this. And you know, we, she polished my proposal. She knew who she was going to, before she told me, I did not know. She knew who she was sending it to. She knew what they were looking for. So she had me polish it. And we went through about three rounds of between the agent and I polishing that up to make it what she wanted it to be because she knew what they were looking for. And that was, I would have never been able to do that without that agent. Mm. never i would have i wouldn't even known they were looking for that kind of book i probably would never have sent it to tyndale but she knew and so she helped me craft exactly what they were looking for mm. and so then i got a book deal and i was like what <laughs> that's awesome and then you have to write it and i right. tell you the first half of it no problem the second half of it, I procrastinated. I had blocks. I I got down to it was two weeks before it was due. And I'm like, I may have to need, I may need to ask one more time. And my agent said, you are in publishing. You do not get to ask one more time. <laughs> We're all two, two right? Yeah. So then I wrote 24-7 for two weeks to get the book done and sent off to them. She still reminds me. She's like, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, I'm just human like anyone else. But uh, don't do don't do that to your right. (laughs) Don't do what I did. But yeah, we got it in. I actually cooked everything and took pictures. So all of the photos in my book are mine as well. So it it, it was a big endeavor. Yeah, it it really was. But it was it was that part of it. Did did that part of it happen after you turned in the manuscript? You had some time to do that part. Yes, I cook and bake a lot. And during the pandemic, I was doing that on the side to make money because I didn't, you know, I was out of a job looking for a job and writing this book. And so I was also making a lot of food for people and baking and doing specialty stuff. So I would just take pictures of what I was doing. So I sent along as part of my proposal, I sent along my photos. And so then when I got the contract, it was we want a photo for each recipe. And so it's like, okay, all right, I can do that. Yeah. So that turned out really well. So it's very authentic. It's, you know, it's my, my grandma's cause it's, you know, it's the book comes to the spell is about three generations of kitchens. So my grandma's kitchens, my mom's kitchen and my kitchen, the photos have some of grandma's plates or bowls and my other grandma's you know, glasses and pitcher and, and games, the game board that my brother-in-law made and my best friend's coffee cup or whatever. So it's all, you know, it all ties back to family and it ties back to the book. So I really like that. It's authentic in that way. Yes. Yes. Oh, so what have you learned about being an author now that you're 
you're you're both. I mean, that's just such an amazing thing. So now what what did you learn having two books that you did not know before when you were only in the world of publishing? That as a publisher, you know, part of the publishing process, it's like just write the book. And as a writer, it's like book, write yourself. <laughs> it's like it's even when you have really good ideas, you know, some days you just it's just hard to write some days. And so I've learned that you just have to make yourself do it. You mm-hmm. just you just have to do it. It's, you know, for some people that's write so many pages every day, no matter what you write. Some people it's write this many words. Some people it's make, you know, every week that you have to find a long time for three hours and you're going to do this, you know, whatever works for you, but find something that works for you. And for me, I can procrastinate with the best of them. And, you know, I could always find something at the house that needed to be done or, or my big thing was, well, I need to bake something for her. She just had a baby and uh, they need a birthday cake. So I'm going to decorate for them and, you know, would do that instead of sitting down and writing, writing and procrastination is really the killer of books because, you know, as a publisher, I've seen some books killed because mm-hmm. the writer didn't write them. Yes. You you think that your publisher is going to wait on you for that manuscript. The truth is there's thousands of writers. There's thousands of books ready to be published. And if you can't deliver it, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. And I know that as a publisher, but I learned it as a writer that, you right. you know, it's you, you just have to, you just, it's just like anything else in life. You just have to make yourself do it. Even on the days you don't feel like you doing it. Make yourself. And that's the thing that, I mean, it's just like any of us do when, when we're thinking about getting healthier or losing weight, we think, well, if I had a good reason, I would, I would, you know, like if my 20th reunion were coming up or my son's wedding were coming up, I'd be able to do it, you know? And then it's just, we find out, oh, wait, I'm still the same person, even when I'm inching to this date. And I meet writers who are like, it's so hard to write just because I don't have a, all I need is a deadline. All I need is a contract. As soon as I have a contract with a publisher and a deadline, I'll be able to do it. And I'm like, you're going to be the same person at that point. And so you're going to be facing the same emotions. It's the emotions that come up. Yeah. Not whether or not you have a deadline, because you can make a deadline for yourself anytime you want. Correct. Yeah. But, Correct. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that even though you know all about the other side of it, once you had a deadline, it wasn't like just yeah. easy to no. turn it out. No. Yeah. So I, some of them, like I said, some of them, there are stories about my grandma and my aunts and uncles and my mom and my kids and you know, all family who I love, I love them and I want to write about them, but I experienced it big time and, and, and just kept putting it off until I got in trouble. I can't stand to get in trouble. So as soon as I got in trouble, then it was like, I'm so sorry, I'm writing right now. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I needed, but us talking about that just made me think if you're writing something that is not a devotional or a gift book, you're pretty much, and you've never been published before, you're pretty much going to have to have the book written. So if you're writing any mm. fiction, yes, if you're writing fiction, they won't look at it until you have a whole book. 
If you're writing memoir, they probably won't have it. They they won't look at it until, you know, you have the whole book if you're writing things like that. So I tell them that too. I tell new writers that too. And I'm glad you, you emphasize that because there is a fantasy that they're going to just be able to turn in a book proposal. And I say, but see that the publisher doesn't know that you'll be able to deliver yet. You have to, one day you might be able to just pitch a book proposal, but you have to prove that you can at least deliver a 50,000 word document. That's harder than you think. It is harder than you think. Even if it's something that you love, you yeah. still, you know, there's there's portions of it that you don't love as well as others. And there's things that you don't really know how to write that particular scene or, you know, that memory doesn't, when you write it, it doesn't really quite make sense. And, you know, right. so there's things that you really don't know how to write until you get to them and you work through them. And there's, you know, it will make you stop. It will make you stop. It's just all there is to it. And so you have to find a way to restart yourself. But, you know, first time writers, a lot of times you have to have a book. So if you've got an idea and you really are serious about writing that book, then write it, write it for yourself. Yes. And if you write it for yourself and you pour yourself into it, then an agent will see that. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, Um, good. Yeah, this is just going to help so many people to hear both sides of it. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for people to glean from this. So the thing is, you, you're still doing both, right? So where can people find your book? Come sit a spell. Come sit a spell. It's on, it's on Amazon. It's Barnes and Noble carries it. And I mean, I don't know if they carry it in all of their stores, but some stores have it. It's mm-hmm. on Christian Books. It's on barnesandnoble.com. It's at Tyndale. You could go mm-hmm. to tyndale.com and they they have it on their website and you could buy from them. Mm-hmm. You can go, there's a link, there's links on my website, which is marilynjansen.com. Okay. So uh, there's, there's links there, you know, pretty much where books are awesome. sold. Yes. Awesome. So, so do you have any ideas? Well, closing question. Do you have any ideas for future books that you might be interested in writing? I see here's this procrastination thing again. Actually, it's not really procrastination. I've had personal, this has been this has been the year. My mother passed away. Mm-hmm. My my youngest son's gone through a divorce and has come home to live with us and and my husband's health issues. And you know, all, all the things mm-hmm. that you can have. Awesome. I was supposed to have another proposal for the follow-up book for this one that is Ghosts at a Spell. Oh. And so I, I started working on going to, to each state and talking to someone from that state and a recipe from that state. Oh, so beautiful. That's so fantastic. That's what I'm working on. I've got I've got several stories for that, but I haven't actually put it together to send to my publisher because life has intervened. And 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 that's sometimes I mean, I'm giving myself a break this year because it has been a very difficult year with all of the things that we've had to deal with. And there's just, I just have to take a pass. Last, you know, when I was writing the book, there was no reason. There was, there was no reason. It was just me. It was just my own mind. Just, I had to overcome myself. This year, there are real good reasons that I haven't been able to do that, but I do want to do that. And the other thing I want to do, which is more of a stretch for me, 
I, I have a novel that I started. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to finish that. And it's loosely based on, on one of my aunts. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I really want to get that story written and get it out there, but it's, it's going to take some dedicated time because I've not written fiction before and I've not worked in fiction before. Yeah, I've, I've read a lot of fiction and I know people who write it. And my, my agent is a fiction writer and mm-hmm. she agents fiction. So she'll be a big help once that I take the time and, and am able to, to get that to a point that it's ready wow. to send off. That's so, exciting. so that's that, that's the long shot is the novel, but so I'm the same as all the other writers who are listening to you. I've got this, this idea that I'm passionate about and that I want to get down on paper and then I want to, you know, see it come to fruition. And so I have to build my audience and I have to do the same sorts of things. And I, it's, it's, you know, it's tough. It, it's tough for all of us. And you know, take the classes, take the courses, watch the YouTube videos, whatever, you know, do the things that you need to do. Because when it when it comes down to it, our sales force can only do so much. Right. And at HarperCollins, they're fantastic. The marketing people are fantastic. The PR people are fantastic. But if they're not doing if, if you're not doing it along with them, they're reaching people who don't know who you are. And they're like, so what? So what? So you need to be there saying, so what? Here's what? Here's the exciting thing. This is why you're going to love it. You know, Mm -hmm. so you, you need to, you need to be able to join in on that sales and marketing stuff. So Mm -hmm. build, build your platform now, Mm -hmm. get involved with your people now, know who they are. No, you know, some people will, who, who's, who's your audience? And not just in a general sense, think about who's your audience. Okay. Her name is Sylvia. Mm -hmm. She's 42 years old. She has three kids. One of them is in college. One of them is in high school and one of them is in junior high. She goes to church, you know, so that what is Sylvia going to get out of your book? Right. Right. You, you write your book to her, you write your pitch to her. Mm-hmm. I think that will help you. Yeah. The people that you, you got to write to Sylvia and then the people who are not Sylvia will come along for the ride, but it doesn't mean that your book is for everyone. You got to write to Sylvia or Sylvia doesn't know she's invited. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Sylvia. My, my, I have one, a different reader that, and the reader for my current book that I'm writing is Danielle. So you've got Sylvia, I've got Danielle. <laughs> we really just have to picture someone, don't we? Yeah. I mean, you need her. You need her across from you. You know who she is. Right, right. Thank you so much, Marilyn. This has been a treat for Thank me. Thank you. It's been, for our listeners, too. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you about your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.